podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Sometimes saving money takes work. Like when you have to walk an extra block for that coffee deal. Or battle pop-up ads to get online coupon codes. But when you switch to Xfinity Mobile, saving money is easy peasy. You'll save up to $400 a year on your wireless bill. And you can even get $250 off when you purchase an eligible smartphone now through January 4th. So you can do the same thing you always do. Just with more money in your pocket. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Wireless savings compares to averages of top providers. Xfinity internet required. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Oh my goodness. It's a counter-attack. It's a dropper. Yes, what's happening? Another week, another edition of Chelsea Hour, part of the Touchline Fracas Network of Podcast. Weekly Chelsea content brought straight to you, even during lockdown, every week, no fail, even during off-season, even during pandemic, even during the Bundesliga's back, but we're not, so we're all going to get really interested in German football for some reason or other. Um, this week, Marcel Biassi and James joined with Dan Soft. What's going on, mate? What's going on, bro? Do you know what? After that intro... It made me realise how much content we're giving. And we do have a Patreon. I don't know why that's not pinned, bro. Like we've got, I don't even know what we've got pinned on the account at the moment. We've got something about, I don't even know, probably like a, a, a Cho uh, gif or something. We need to yeah. be pin, pinning well, we, the important stuff, look, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, listen, uh, it's a good timing, you know. So uh, Ramadan Mubarak to everyone Muslim listening. If we're big in the north of Nigeria, then shout out you, man, obviously. Ramadan Mubarak and that it's time to be given and be charitable and everything and anyone else in the UK and anyone who's listening in in other parts of the world that are going to start being hungry for the next 30 days like let's let's start bringing in that charitable good favour please yeah uh, Jermaine also with us this, this night what's going on mate you good? Yeah man what's going on all good man 
I know, I know, you, I know you've been on a similar journey to me this week in terms of just probably watching Ziek uh, more than anyone we've ever watched before in time for our deep dive this this evening. <laughs> I know you've been in. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, man, I've been watching um, a few matches still. But yeah, how you, how you been spending your time, Jermaine? You you got you one of these productivity junkies, and you, and you got a little project while you're while you're sitting home, or, or uh, are you one of these people. Oh, um, project is mine. Um. You know what? Building up to this week, I was thinking it was a bit of a quiet week. You know, obviously there's there's not actual football to talk about. There's little topics that do float around. And then last couple of days, there's, there seems to just have been a lot of little little talking points exploding. Um, so I think I think first off, I'm always cautious this this period especially because um, I'm furloughed. A lot of us are at home. A lot of us are dealing with a lot more time on our hands. I do have a worry that the football journalists uh, are doing the same thing with their transfer stories. But for for that reason or another, there does seem to be a few more names linked with the club recently and, and a few more things becoming a bit more clear about where conversations are going and where people are leading. Again, I, I'm taking it with pinches of salt just because there is a need to generate content by people. People need clicks, this, that and the other. Um, but there's some interesting names. So... A few of the, I know you boys are aware of them. A few of the names that have sort of been long-running ones, firstly, is is Olivier Giroud seems to be dead set to Inter, uh, Internazionale, Inter Milan. So, you know, good servant, um, done his job. He needs to play in the Euros if it does go ahead. So I don't think any we can have too many complaints of him leaving, can we? No, man. He got shafted this, this year. And I know that Yas... The funny thing about Yas is at the beginning of the season, Yas was like, Giroud's my... My boy, Tammy's my boy. When Drew started to, I was like, yeah, I told you, that's my boy, that's my boy. Then Tammy started to go, yeah, I told you, that's my boy. The only one he didn't say was my boy is Batshuayi, but I, I do agree. It's because Batshuayi is terrible. That's the only reason he's not my boy. He's, I'm sure he's a great guy. Top man. Well, well, listen, let's, I'm missing from that. I'm waiting in the long grass for that one because I feel like in a couple of seasons, it's going to look good. But but what I will say is Giroud, I've, I've been watching it back, like I said, a couple of times, and he started well. He started well and then he got kind of cast out um, and nobody kind of knows why. Maybe he didn't fit into Lampard's role, but it, going into another season with the Euros delayed, it doesn't make any sense unless Lampard's telling him another striker's not coming in. It doesn't make any sense for Giroud to sit, um, to stay at Chelsea when there's only space for one striker to start and there's three strikers. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And, and I think Sharp, I think Sharp, I'm I'm gonna be like uh, uh, takey and statementy on this one. I think you're right, man. I think Shafted is the word. I get that there was a decision to make, and I know you're a big believer, Dan. In strikers need momentum, strikers need belief. Now there's been all this. We'll get to it with the next few targets. There's been all this chat from the replies on Twitter, and and people sort of just have this uh, expectation that pressure breeds performance and. Uh, competition breeze before and it's like I mean yeah sometimes and sometimes not so to say that as an exact rule is um is your opinion that's cool but I know you and to an extent me do think that your number nine should be consistent and so I understand why they they went with a consistent number nine and if you go back to the pods yeah in August I, I was on the Giroud train 
heavy just because a I, he, he was our most rounded striker he was the most experienced he had the most quality personally in terms of what he can contribute on a pitch and bringing other players into play b i think he made quite a good effort in the preseason i think I, even the island games i remember he came back looking leaner i think he knew that with the age not on his side and the way lampard wanted to play and everything he, he did need to get about a little bit more um and there's yeah, there's a balance though. There's, there's there's Tammy being your first choice, and then there's playing him until the point of injury and realizing that Giroud just you could have used him all along. Yeah, I was gonna say quickly, even in preseason, Giroud I think got the least minutes to kind of prove himself, and he did quite well, even though he got like the least minute. I think he only scored like one goal less than the other two. Now um, I get Lampard. This is this is my issue. Like with managers, and I don't know what the right thing to do is because as a manager, of course you're going to come into a season with preconceived ideas of this is my guy, that's my guy. But sometimes that can create a blind spot for you. And so towards the end of the season, Lampard came to the reality that actually I can play my football with Giroud, but that was a bit too late. And I, that's but it's not just I can play. Ironically, I think Giroud was. I think Lampard likes a target player. I think the reason we didn't see any, and I do as well, which is why I can kind of see it, I think. I can see the passes he's looking for. I can see the runs being made off. If you have wingers going in behind, you don't really want a striker going in behind as well because then the yeah, defence yeah. will just drop. So it was weird to me. And then Tammy, listen, I'm a big Tammy guy and I'll, I'm dying on that hill. I don't mind. But he's young. He will fill out. He's not at his strongest. He's not at his most savvy. He's learning the game at the top level. So when it comes to bringing other people into play and, and occupying a back four, that's a big tenant of what we've been doing. So I did find it a bit odd. I think if I'm honest, I think the idealism maybe caught Lampard a little bit with Giroud and with Pedro. And ironically, considering his history, he AVB'd the thing a little bit. Exactly. In, I'm coming in. I'm going to do this. And But listen, I, as, as I've gone on record as well, I think, I think Lampard is learning. But listen, Giroud... I think he's made the best decision for himself. I think he's made the best decision for his chances uh, internationally. I think he'll be a quality acquisition for Inter. Slower league. Conte knows him. Conte loves the target player. Jermaine, as he is pretty much out the door, what's going to be your takeaway for Giroud's Chelsea time? Well, I think he stepped up for us pretty much most of the times when we needed him, to be fair. I look at, like, obviously last season with the Europa and he was, you know, he was amazing for us in, the, in, in, in that whole run. To even obviously contributing in the final itself as well, so like I I feel kind of bad with for, for Giroud in a way because I feel like he ain't done anything wrong since he's come. Like anytime he anytime he's been called upon, like I said, he's shown out for us and um, he's had a great attitude as well. So I think even the younger lot, I think I know he ain't been here for a long while, but I feel like the younger lot are gonna miss him in the dressing room as well because I think he's Mate, he's. So I know I've been speaking there and I, I want to shut up. Like, yeah, I agree he was shafted, but we remember last season, before we got Higuain, or it was sometime last season, Giroud played quite a lot of minutes in the Premier League and, and he didn't score a goal. I yeah. think the only black mark on his time here. So like we said, Europa, he killed it. Most of the times he come on the kill it, but there was a chance where he got it last season and he didn't score a goal. And obviously in the World Cup as well, again, didn't score a goal. Yeah. Didn't score a, goal, a massive part of that France team. And I don't think if you were to ask any Frenchman if they would have dropped him for anyone else, I, I think yeah. it would have been a resounding no. You know what I mean? I know, well, I know your thing, Dan. I know your strikers need to score. I hear that. Um, yeah. But he's, 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 yeah, it's not his game. You're not going to change a player. I think he would have benefited players like... Uh, 
Pulisic, players like Pedro a bit earlier in the season, maybe would have been a difference maker in those sort of Sheffield United games, those um, drop points at home early on, little bits. But but yeah, I think Jermaine, Jermaine makes a point about when he was needed in especially cup moments. Your finals, well, yeah. amazing yeah, goal in the semi-final of uh, the FA Cup in Conte's second season to get us into that final um, where he's slaloming through three man in the box, leaving them on the floor. Um, and if I'm honest, I just am quite happy that I have a big thing about uh, Arsenal, Chelsea and Tottenham players having their best years at Chelsea, yeah. which I don't see any argument for any who didn't, whether it's Galas, Cole, Czech, uh, anyone except for fucking Petit, but who cares? Um, and I just like that even if Giroud didn't maybe have his best years, he had some of his best moments, and I think he showed how Chelsea was when he was holding that Europa League after the final on that coach. Uh, so those those who know about that clip will know about that clip. But um, so that's that's Giroud out the door, almost almost certainly now I think, and, and good luck to him. One that's popped up now, and I know everyone was sort of floating the the London links because. We, he's well known that he's very involved in his church in the city. He's got business interests in the city with a restaurant with David Luiz. But this William to Liverpool story has sort of popped up. Now, I, I haven't checked the source. I'm going to be honest. I've been, I've been busy today. But I haven't checked the source. It's Sport Witness. I don't know where that's been sourced from. But William to Liverpool. William to Tottenham, I was fine with. William to Tottenham, he was going, it was just going to be him and Mourinho, but worse as they were. And Tottenham is <laughs> a step down for everyone. Him to Liverpool, all of a sudden I get a bit, oh, a bit, bit shifty in the seat. Bit uh, that might actually be a very good match. Uh, yeah. what, what, what are we saying? And I don't know. You can tell me how strong those links look, by the way. But what are your thoughts, Jermaine? No, I just generally, I, I, like, I didn't even really <laughs> care too tough about where the link came from. I just thought to myself, if it was true and it did happen, I was just thinking, I don't know how his agents pulled that out of the bag, but. In a way, I kind of do because I see like if he's going there as a squad player on a free, probably wages ain't too high as well. Like, boy, that's a good little squad player to have in your team, you know. When when somebody like a Mane or a Salah, you know, picks up a little niggle also, or something like that. the characteristics of their side, I mean, yeah, hardworking. Coutinho was basically bombed because he couldn't do all the the ugly stuff, for use of a better term. Um, that's always been Williams' USP. So if, if they need just a bit more pressure down either of those wings and, and a bit yeah, of... You, know, you know, for them games there where Trent where Trent's struggling, you know, like that. like well, every, need, Pretty much every you, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty game. much defensively. So you need <laughs> Willian to do that right-back job sometimes. So you get me? They, they're going to need Willian here and there. So I think I think it's a good signing if he, if he does go there, though. And I think it's good for him because he might be able to even get a couple more trophies under his belt before, before he bars out of the game as well. So... It's probably like a. Could that could that be a bit of agenting to maybe because it does make sense because it is a well not a much of a rival these past two years but a, a rival in the common sense could it be a bit of agenting a bit of nudging a bit of why don't you make that two or three? Boy. <laughs> well, half the press, not half the press. I saw it earlier, um, and I, I tried to find it. That's why I was quiet because you can't keep me quiet. But basically. Um, it's come out that Liverpool have distancing themselves from the William thing. So oh, that's, is it? All right. So that's why people are saying, okay, maybe the agent's doing it to try okay. to. Okay. Get- All right. I didn't. I didn't even see him. So yeah, maybe a lot of agenting. Um, 
And speaking of agent him, we're going to get this one out of the way, but Jermaine might not let us because I know he's really planted his flag in the sand on this one. Listen, you know, you know when, uh, you know when you see someone maybe try and impress. Yeah, they may, they might be speaking to a girl, they might be speaking at a job interview, they might be speaking to just someone they admire, and and you just you see them trying a bit too hard, and you just wince a little bit, and you just you just wonder sort of where the where the self-respect is a little bit and you know you don't have to do this mate you know you're good you're good fella you don't have to that is how I'm seeing Coutinho's camp right now um just listen a move will happen somewhere bro but stop begging it like that is uh, there might be interest because I know we've discussed how Lampard does like that sort of he wants a big player he's this he's this but if the interest is maybe a four or five out of ten I can't help but feel like it's being pushed by every Barca publication and every everyone in Spain to make it happen almost. Exactly. So like that's what I'm saying. Is it really Coutinho doing it all? Or is it Barca needing the money so that they can buy Lautaro and so they can do all of this type of shit that's trying as much as possible to get interest in Coutinho so that they can get like a fight of some sort to get the money up because look I can't blame Coutinho for it. I, I it seems like I, I think he's coming um at this point. I know like one minute you see a story saying Coutinho's close. Next minute, another pu- publication comes out saying there's no interest whatsoever from Chelsea's camp. It's just Leicester. But I, we've been linked with Coutinho since the summer. Do you know what I mean? And mm. and we've seen the Lampard kind of video. I know it was old about um, how he likes Coutinho. And look, Coutinho's not a bad player. I feel like people go too extreme. I don't think he's a bad player. For me, the issue is... I, I I don't know. I want someone younger, and I don't want him on big wages just in case he does flop and he becomes an albatross. Um, that's that's it. But he he is a fantastic player still. Yeah, no, I th- I, th- I think it is probably more Barca pushing it. To be fair, like I I couldn't I, I don't know why we would go from it's weird to go from like um the profile of like Sancho in terms of him being so young and like a proper like out and out winger. Um to then go into someone like Coutinho, who then all of a sudden plays... He plays wing, he plays 10, he plays mid. Like, it's, it's a bit weird. I don't think the profile is, I want someone young. And I don't think Sancho is an out-and-out winger either. I think they're looking for someone to score... I've been saying this. I think oh, just, a top, just a goal scorer, yeah, yeah. For someone to chip in with goals away from Tammy. They know that Tammy can't score every single game, right? And the, the issue is, at Chelsea right now, if Tammy's not scoring it's unlikely that someone else is going to score. So if you can bring someone in that scores a bit more often, then it means if Tammy's not scoring, OK, there's at least someone else in the eleven that is yeah. like... And the, and the pattern's showing that as well, because like even with um, Mertens as well, like it's the same thing again. It's like you look at probably what they're looking at with Mertens is the same thing. So he's been banging goals recently. Yeah. That's what the hype about him, like around him has been the last couple of seasons. He's been like banging hella goals. So... It's it's the same thing with him as well. Like with all of them, that that you you get the the idea that obviously they're just looking at someone that can definitely 100% not flop in terms of bringing goals in. But it, it, for me, it's still weird though. Like they they go from Sancho to to, to Coutinho, especially okay. even for the even for the way the squad is being built. Do you, you think though? Like, do you think that that change in direction might be a little? Um... 
it seems like the club are very clear on an age profile, kind of a resale profile. And it seems like every time we do make a signing that goes against that, whether it be Giroud, Higuain, mm. uh, I guess Bakayoko to an extent, every time we go against that, it seems very linked to the manager. So do you think yeah. this might be a little... Lampard nudge of look I know we're going young I know we're going academy focus I know we're going savvy statistical da 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 but he's came through an era as a player where like some of our followers to be fair their motivation and their uh routine was new big player comes this year new person mm. comes this year new marquee signing this year whether it was Balak and Shevchenko or whether it was sort of the two the hazards or whether it was the sort of 2010 period where you were always linked with these players and that player and I guess it may I can see the desire for a name and proven European quality and pedigree and as quite a Lampard thing um I think all managers must take something from their the culture of their playing days and for Lampard it very much seems to be that he values training pitch work more than anything else, and extra commitment and this, that, and the other. And any anecdote you will read about him as a player, that's what his MO was. That's what he traded on. And I just, I, I do get the vibe that this Coutinho thing is a little bit of a nudge of, well, listen, we got the new Chelsea, but the old lot would have maybe nicked a big name and nicked someone who's scored goals in Europe and this, that, and the other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, also, what I'll say is this. <clears throat> not forget, Lampard played football recently. I'm sure he's played against players. And when you play football, you play against players. You're going to play against people thinking, rah, I couldn't get near him. Wow, he's amazing. So I'm sure there's players that have made an impact on Lampard whilst he was playing. And I just think because I think people may have... He hasn't been in the Premier League for a long time. I think people may have forgot the impact Coutinho had. And just playing against him, I, I can see Lampard saying, yo, he's a player. And so that seeing him available... I'm sure, I'm sure, especially like, look, we've done that, we've done that, we've seen the pattern. He likes shooters from outside of the box. Mertens pops it from outside the box. We're linked with him. Coutinho pops it from outside the box. The only one I don't think that does it is Sancho. Sancho's all in the box. But like, I, 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 I seriously think that Lampard, like, I think you're right, I think Lampard wants Coutinho rather than, rather than Chelsea. Um, and yeah, do you know what, if he was to come, it's, I just don't want him in a long contract and I don't want him on massive wages. That's it. That's that's it for me. Yeah, reality reality is as well, it'll be his it's probably like his last contract, isn't it? What would he be on a like a four year? Four year or five year? So like it would be we'll take him to like, thirty two or thereabouts. Yeah. yeah, do you see what I'm saying? And and even with, with um um Zierk as well, it's the same thing. Like them them two, that's their last contract. Do you get what I'm saying? But but okay. go somewhere else that, that is probably not in the Prem and you know, I don't think it will be of the same calibre yeah. in terms of team. I think obviously, obviously, we're going to get into Ziyech massively tonight. Um, I think, I guess, the difference there is while they might be not dissimilar in age, just in terms of trajectory, Ziyech still has it all to prove, and he's making his big move. Whereas Coutinho, I'm very torn between whether all these top European experiences of Munich, Barca, will be a benefit to young players in this squad and, and et cetera, and all that comes with that and raising standards and this, that and the other, or will it actually be 
he sees this too much like you've just said as his last opportunity at a decent deal yeah I don't yeah. particularly want to go there I don't know if we're going to challenge Barca was probably my dream move Bayern was second uh, you know this will do um Rivaldo spoke about it today as well. Like, well, I don't know if it was today when he spoke about it, but I read something today about what um, Rivaldo was saying about the move. And he was saying that how he feels that Coutinho's best moments in his career so far have been in the Premier League and they were at Liverpool. And he's saying he doesn't, he obviously, it's no no secret that his, his move at Barcelona didn't work out for him. Mm. But at the same time, he believes that coming back to the Premier League and, you know, working under somebody like Lampard who probably is going to be quite inspiring for him, just generally, just him being Lampard. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't even have to be a coaching thing. The fact that he's playing, like, you'll be playing under Lampard and you'll be playing with a lot of younger players. And he's he's going to be the guy as well. If he comes, I reckon, like, the whole point of him coming will be because they want him to be the guy. Do you get what I'm saying? I, I feel like that's the name that they'll look at to say, oh, like, Hazard's gone, but this is someone we feel like can come in Moments, produce moments yeah, yeah produce moments the one, same way. Just, just a final comment on Coutinho quickly I find it interesting timing wise as well and it doesn't really fit for me is there seems to have been over the last few years just a phasing out whether it be intentionally as was kind of rumoured with Conte or just naturally there's been a real phasing out of the Brazilian core where it sort of it was a project started early on to make Neymar available to settle in allegedly um, and then with that over we had a time in the squad where we had Literally, Costa, Oscar, um, did they overlap? I don't know. Uh, I think they did in 15. Um, David Luiz. Luiz, William, and then Piazon, Nathan, Wallace, all the little ones just that they kind of hoped would hook on to the, to the stars. So I just find it a bit funny that you had an entire Brazilian community um, that would go to each other's house for barbecues and this, that and the other and just be really, really tight-knit. And then they've all gone and uh, we'll bring someone in who, I don't even know, I don't know if he knows anyone in the squad, but it won't be as welcoming. Wow. But um, just just a last one. I did I did see this as a, as an interest. I don't want to spend too too long on transfers because it's it's interesting to hypothesise, and I know we'll we'll like, starving for it. But you just never know with the validity of this, and if deals are even really happening at the moment because of the way the economics is looking. But um, Milik and Aubameyang very tentative. Very tentative. I've, I don't think the source is strong, but I have seen it come up every now and again, partly from fans, partly as suggestions in terms of fitting maybe the idea that Mertens might be a bit too far gone in terms of turning 33 and physically not being up to the league. Um, Osimhen and uh, other strikers, maybe Dembele, uh, Edouard, maybe too close in age and profile to Tammy, Milik and Aubameyang, late, late 20s, early 30s, uh, Aubameyang will be on the cheap, one year at Arsenal, he's not re-signing, he knows it's a joke thing over there, um, Milik, decent, uh, not amazing, I'm not a huge fan of Milik, but okay in the box, decent physically, um, any, any of them interest you in how we're set up at the moment? Milik is young, you know, Milik's 26, that's not, that's not old at all, and like he's just turned 26. He was, he was 26 in February. So he's not like he's not fake. I, I can't speak on Mick too much. Um, people on the timeline, they seem to react positively to the news. Like, yeah, that's a good one. And obviously, we talked about profile of striker being tall. He is six foot one. Obviously, I'm on Wikipedia right now. That's, that's all I know about him. But with the Obemiang one, it's like 
Do you know what? You might be the only person I know who goes on Wikipedia and doesn't immediately click on personal life. That's the first place I go on any wiki entry ever. Like you got to know what's what the what the tea is there. Um, let me see. Let me see. But no, with um with Obemiyang, I wanted him in. Do you know when we was chasing Murata or Lukaku? Like by that. I'm st- I'm still annoyed that they had a clear run and I never understood it. Yeah. I never understood it. It didn't make sense because everyone was saying, like, do you remember um, videos were coming out about Lukaku's first touch that summer? And uh, videos were coming out like, about Murata's finishes. And the funny thing is, at one point in the summer, it looked like Lukaku was coming to us and Murata was going to United. So Chelsea fans was putting up uh, videos clowning Murata's finishing. And then United fans was putting up videos clowning Lukaku's touch. Then it switched because Lukaku goes to United, Chelsea, and then the video switched and shit like that. But it was like, why are we both... I just didn't understand why we're both chasing these players that are scrubs when actually Aubameyang, okay, yeah, he's not a good all-round footballer. But if you're looking for a finisher, he was there. Like you said, Arsenal had a clear run. And at that point, I think he was 26, 27. So I was thinking, okay, he might... He's at an age where I'm just going to pass. If he, was, if he was like two years older, I'd pass on it. And I think it's come to that point now. It's like, okay, we can get Aubameyang in and he'll finish. But... I don't know. I think we've had so many stopgap strikers. I kind of just want to just stick with Tammy. Tammy's the one now. He's given the berth, given the run, and then let's try to buy supporting strikers around, uh, attackers around him. Um, because looking at numbers, Tammy's done. He's done well. He's done well enough. Um, and if yeah, you buy a second on the Tammy thing, because yeah. again, it's it's one. Jermaine mentioned it when it uh, or may, I think he used it just now where the Coutinho reputation it goes to a point and the kind of consensus is yeah he's a little bit overrated might not be perfect for us and it's almost like a handstand people go on go on it and they get their balance and it's like yeah that's a good opinion and then they fall on their ass and the opinion falls with them and they just go too far so now it's a point where Coutinho can do nothing but shoot like he's like he's Matt Letizia trying to play in 2020 like it's it goes too far right and I think it's the same sort of thing that that has happened there uh, with Tammy, like he's 22, playing as a lone target man, expected to finish chances, which his movement is fantastic for. Mm. His xG is very high. Um, his link play, which he's improving with, you can see he's better at it with the mounts than the new players. So that's that for me is a bit of a question of time. Going up against defenders that are bigger, that are stronger, that are more savvy. At 22, he's not filled out. He's not a finished article. Drogba was 26 and even then wasn't as dominant physically as he eventually was. And it's a tough job. I don't know many other strikers at 22, 21 years old around Europe that are not just starting for big teams, but doing the ugly side of being a centre forward. Like Werner was scoring goals early. That's great because his job was running behind and and tuck it in. Like he does a tough, tough role. He does that, yes, but yes, quickly. Like sometimes that can work against them. I know, like you're playing at Stamford Bridge, you want to get the crowd up. Even if you're not playing at Stamford Bridge, Lampard's telling you you're pressing, you're you know press, um, start the press. We want to play game, game press and all that type of stuff. But sometimes that takes you away from what you're in there to do, and that's it to score. Um, I think he's done, I think he's done a great job. I think that when the ball drops in, the, in the- when the unexpected comes calling, bounce forward with Comcast Business. 
Bounce forward fast with internet speeds up to a gig. And bounce forward with security solutions that help keep your connected devices protected. Help your business bounce forward with this amazing offer. For a limited time, ask how to get a $500 prepaid card. Call 1-800-501-6000 or go online today to learn more. Comcast Business. Prepaid card offer ends 12-13-20. Restrictions apply. New Comcast Business customers only. Call for restrictions and complete details. The box, he's so quick to fashion the chance out of it. And it's usually a good on target and stuff like that. But I do feel like he, I don't know. Sometimes I just feel like when he was scoring goals, I think it's normal. When you're striking, it feels like when you're scoring goals, everything's going to go in. But I feel like when you're not scoring for a minute, just stick around in the box. Like if you're chasing everything down in the corners and stuff like that, you're away from the goal. And I think sometimes he, he does too much. Like, do you remember that time when he ran back? Um, mm-hmm. to, yeah, to make that tackle. Um, and then and then something happened. He blocked Emerson and then it was against Arsenal and then um, Bellerin cut in and shot. Yeah, 100%. And listen, there's going to be development and there's going to be mistakes and there's going to be learning. But that's half my point. Like, yeah. you're asking him to do a very disciplined job, a difficult job. And I, again, I can't think of another player that young that is doing the ugly side that well. I agree. I think he does wear himself out a little bit. I think he overstretches himself. I think um, composure could improve. I think he gets in the positions, but for me, that's nine tenths of it. I think that will come with experience and, and, and with, with a bit more confidence in this game. But I think people just need to look at the good things. Like just because he's not a polished fucking FIFA player that is yeah. perfectly curling every strike. Like I, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be real. Like, He's by no means a perfect striker. And I think I'm on record enough saying he's good and he's he will probably, if we get to where we want to be as a club, be our rotation man and our, our second choice and our difference maker and our tactical weapon. I think that's maybe kind of his expected career trajectory for me. But people who have all this stuff to say about him, I, I don't, I swear, there's you can see when people haven't really played. There's a point that... I'm not trying to be like Graham Souness or something, but you can see when certain people online and who are fan, proper armchair fans and potentially a little bit younger, especially if they've really come through in the stats era, no one will like playing against Tammy Abraham for a fact. They'll lose him behind on the blind side all the time. They won't like going up against his frame. They won't like players running off him. He's going to run for everything. He won't give them time. Like he's a proper centre forward who does a lot of good stuff. And I just feel like, because he, he's not the most technically proficient, he, he's just not a... Because he can't make a great compilation. He don't bang Aesthetic, on. Aesthetically, it's like there's there's things that bother people in it. And I, that's that's understandable. But at the same time, you, you need to... Um, like you said, you need to understand that he's got a lot to work on. But one of the worries with Tammy Abraham would be, like, does, does he know what type of striker he's meant to be? Because I think... Sometimes the players themselves don't always work that out. Do you know what I mean? Like it's the coaches that will need to work that out for you as well. Like telling you how to, like what type of striker you can be. Do you know what I mean? And I think with Tammy, yeah, no, I think, I think it's, that's a really good point actually in terms of talking about sort of Tammy developing in terms yeah. of the hold-up play and stuff. Because I think if you look at his frame and his profile and and whatever, and you think, oh, target man Drogba, but and I'm, I could be wrong here. I'm not the expert on the youth teams that um, Dan. Meads or, or Joe are to be honest you've both, we've all watched a lot more youth team games than me but again the aesthetic points backed up by when him and Solanke were coming through together everyone seemed to prefer Solanke aesthetically 
He had the better yeah. touch. He's, he's, he took people on a little bit more. And again, like no more said on that one, isn't it? But Tammy in the youth team wasn't playing like this because youth football didn't require it. A lot of the time he was dragging out wide and you could see footwork and he was very much a poacher. Um, and now he's, he's being, obviously he's, he's had time in the championship. But again, I think he was a bit of a poacher. And I think he's now having to be an all-round striker because a team of Chelsea's size demands it. Um, and you see strikers like that who, this is where my Batshuayi things always come from. I think he can drop down to a palace and score goals because he's decent in the box. He gets in good positions and people give Palace sort of less respect. So those opportunities arise and, and his strike rate balances up. Whereas I think where he's really struggled for Chelsea is getting in front of defenders, pinning the players um, and just being that constant, constant menace with consistency. You, you just got to look at the Tottenham game. Sorry, Dan. Um, but you, you just got to look at the Tottenham game for for for, um, for Tammy. Like, that game, I felt like he knew what his job was that whole game. And he made himself a nuisance for them defenders. And he, and, and he didn't even score that game. But he was, he was the striker that pretty much every Chelsea fan wanted him to be that day in terms of Get, making sure he gets in their faces, making sure that every every header he goes up for, he's making it hard for them to win it. He was he I think even his hold up play that day was like quite decent, and he was just popping it off for like William and that. He was like literally that was one of his best performances I think in the season, and like that day he just looked like he knew exactly what he was meant to be doing. But some games I feel like he's he doesn't know whether he's meant to be holding it up for the players or he doesn't know whether he's running in behind. So. What is he working on? Do you know what I mean? Like, what are the coaches getting him to to work on? What are they like? What is their primary goal in terms of like the striker that they want him to be? Because if Lampard isn't giving him the right instructions or the right kind of um, target in terms of what he what he can become, then it's all well and good saying he's got time. But if he's working on the wrong things, then it's it's not really going to work out. So here's my thing. Here's my thing. I think the reason why people get on Tammy is because actually. I, like we said, he's outperforming his XG. Um, I do, I do think that he can improve when he's one on one and he's got time to think. I think he can improve on that. But generally, he's been scoring more than he should be. So like when the ball comes in the box, he'll fashion the chance. Where people look at Tammy, I think, is that if you've got someone like a Suarez, and then obviously I'm going to the extreme of the, one of the best strikers, he can fashion something out of nothing by himself a lot of the times. Whereas Tammy needs to be fed. Now last season we had a big problem with unlocking the door, creation. And so the fact that we wasn't scoring enough goals, people are going to look at Tammy. For me, I've always been happy this season for us to go into the next season. I, I, I don't want Dembele. I don't want Lautaro. I want us to spend all of our money on a supporting attacker because I am happy enough with the goals that Tammy will get. But I think we need more goals away from that. I think, like, you've, like you've, we've kind of said in the last 10 minutes, Tammy, he's shown enough. Like he's he's like we, we seem to be happier with Tammy than we were with Higuain than with Morata. Do you know what I mean? Um, so in general, I'm happy with him. I just feel like the people that with, with criticisms, I don't want to go too far. That I think we, we all see actually there can be improvement. That, but again, he's 22. 100. You could talk about trajectories that we sort of did with uh, Coutinho. It's like Higuain. You knew what you were getting was the best it could possibly be, and you just hope he didn't get any slower. Tammy Abraham, if anyone's telling me he's peaked after his first, what, half season of real Premier League football for a top side, it's just no chance. But you, you came on to what I was going to ask next, Dan, to be fair. And 
And that was, what do you do here? Because I got into a little bit of a discussion on Twitter the other night about this where uh, a few people were saying, nah, man, fuck it. Get my man, get my man, rotate 50-50 minutes. Outside of City, who are in extremity because they dope their finances and have two players for every position and everyone wants to play for Pep, so you can do whatever. Outside of City, I don't see teams whose main goal scorers are not their top men. Salah, Mane, top men. Shakiri's yeah. lucky if he sees pitch. Firmino even. Firmino even. Top top man. Origi's lucky if he sees pitch. Harry Kane has been top man for five years. Yeah. Jansen, uh, whoever else is in there with him, lucky if they see pitch. Rashford and Martial now, I think, and Lukaku, they all played. And I think part of the reason Solskjaer didn't really sign a replacement is he didn't really know what to do with that situation and just thought, well, well, Rash needs games. Like, even at the top, top, top clubs, okay, Suarez and Griezmann, but someone came at me, well, actually, Barcelona changed their formations, try and get both in because they need to. Benzema, Jovic, has been a debate this week. I think Jovic is quality, but I said from day, it was a terrible move to go to Madrid because they have a top man and it's Benzema and he's almost their, their nine Makalele who makes everyone else look good. Um, you have a top man. And so I was going to ask you this, Dan. You've kind of already answered it. So I'll throw it over to Jermaine. Maybe not a player, because we ain't all on Stats Bomb and Y Scout seven days a week. But what profile of player do you think we need to sign in terms of finance, age, and, and just style as well? Do you double down on the same style and go like for like, sort of like a sorry? Or do you just have a, a plan B completely, go Mertens and Tammy, completely different challenges? Or do you try to catch it in between? And then what sort of age, what sort of finance are you looking at? Um, ah, that's a good question, man. I think... I only do... I think where Tammy... I think where Tammy... I only, hold on. I only do good questions, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. For real. One of the best ones you've heard and had me. But 100%. I think with, with um, Tammy, like, the fact that Tammy's so young, I think... Mertens does seem like the the kind of age that you'd look at. Even Aubameyang's age, to be fair, I think is a decent age. I think, what's Aubameyang? Is he 31? Yeah, 31. You'll turn 31 in the next season, I think. Yeah, so I think, like, if you're looking... I think that age, because like, I know everybody's actually at 30s old these days, like, and I don't know where that even comes from, really, because I feel like you, you can you can still get a good amount of seasons... From that I know it's an outlier, sports science, red tete. T- we signed Gianfranco <laughs> Zola at 30 years old. Like, yeah, there you go. Do you know what I mean? Like, that was when it was a wet sponge and some deep heat. Like <laughs> Exactly. So I think so anywhere around the Bamiang's age right now, due to the fact that we've got someone like Tammy Abraham who does deserve another season and will he, he should he should like improve as a player and he's got a lot to work on. But he's a young player, so Realistically, I would want someone in and around that 30, that 30 year old, like between 30 and 31, 32 maybe. But like, um, I think different striker though. I wouldn't want the same profile as like Tammy, like like someone that can hold up the ball. I'd probably want someone like that can run in behind. And it's like interesting that we're linked with Aubameyang because I think even though Aubameyang frame wise is kind of similar, I think he's a completely different player. Like he looks to get in behind more so. Than, than what Tammy would, and I think um, Mertens, I don't, um, I don't know how he'd be up top in 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 our in our formation, like the way we play, and and in the league as well, because I feel like 
I don't know how much green he's going to have to run into like that. I don't really think it's going to be a thing where he'll get that many opportunities to do what he probably did at Napoli. You know what, though? He's he's very, very, very good in the box, Mertens. He's, yeah. no, he's nowhere near the level, but it's, it's similar. Um, it's always what I've liked about Lewandowski in terms of it's like very quick snapshots. The cross might be bouncing. The cross might be a bit over hit. He might have to readjust his angle. But he gets on it quick before anyone's really set. I think he's very, very good in the box. And I think Sari putting him up at number nine was partly so he could just drop, give some spaces and stuff like that. Um, but he is good in the box. And it'd be interesting. But that's that's almost half the question is, is maybe he is the difference. You know, Batshuayi, Giroud and Tammy all received identical service mm. when they're not identical players. So it might be nice to have someone so distinct. Different, yeah. Um, and then there is the the sort of could go on the left in a pinch option and, and stuff like that. But anyway, listen, I think I think I think I agree with you there. Um uh yeah, and it's, it'll be interesting to see how that progresses and how many rumors turn out to be waffle. Um so just moving on in terms of of a situation that might put us in better stead or worse stead for these signings. It's it's been the last two days it's all sort of come out and it's this um Champions League eligibility. First story link uh, leaked, sorry. Um, was this mad suggestion that they were going to go off the coefficients. Um, the reason I bring this one up is only to rubbish it, firstly, and say that it's nonsense that you can see Spurs and Arsenal as sort of better performing European teams as Chelsea. But I do want to highlight what it does show is the significance of getting into the Champions League because those coefficients might not be an exact science, but if they're based on amount of knockout games played, etc., that links to perception around the world and around Europe and around signings for me. So when you did look and see we were below sort of Spurs and Arsenal over the last five years in alarm bells rang, it really showed how significant that Conte season where we weren't in Europe at all impacted. Um, and I know there's a lot of chat about Sancho. Obviously, you guys know my opinion. I think he's been United bound financially for a good while. I think United are a lot more, um, how do we say this, amenable to agents and entourages and supporting companies and management than, than Chelsea have been in the last few years. But it's been said again and again, he wants to join a Champions League club. Even someone like Ziyech now, he signed with us in January, I think, expecting us to finish top four. And after playing us in the Champions League, I don't think he would have stepped from Ajax to Chelsea to go down a European competition. Aubameyang, part of the reason he's off is he's just like, I want to, he's wanted to play in the Champions League for the last year and a half. So it matters. So I'm interested in how this pans out. Um, what they seem to be saying at the moment is based on sports integrity, the integrity of the game of the competition. Now, everyone's interpreted that mean points per game. I don't think it's precise that it would. How do you think this needs to be resolved, considering us, but also all clubs? So like a Sheffield United who miss out by 0.01 of a point to Manchester United, which transforms a club. Um, how, how do you think this needs to be resolved, either of you guys, and, and what's the best way to go about it? Well... I, when that coefficient shit came out, it hit because before that came out, it seemed like most, apart from like playing the league out, it seemed like most other eventualities meant that we would get Champions League. So when I saw that, 
I had to kind of think to myself, because I like to be fair and I like to think that I'm fair. And obviously, because Chelsea was out of it, I, I kind of I put it through my head and saying, is this a fair way to do it? And actually, if we're, we think about the Champions League as a competition, it's about the best teams in Europe. And that coefficient is how teams have done in Europe. So actually, look, unless unless we can start the league again soon and we can finish it, um, and I'm not talking about finish it without crowds, I'm talking about finish it with crowds, we're going to have to finish it where some sort of sporting integrity is lost. So no matter whether you're using coefficients, whether you're using um, points per, per game, whether you're using um, the last standings, there's going to be winners and losers. Um, there's going to there's gonna be winners and losers, but I think I, I, hit, I like your point about Champions League is for the best teams in Europe, right? Yeah, but it's, yeah. a, it's a seasonal competition. So the part of the motive for smaller clubs, especially, is you get the opportunity to go again, to quote uh, a legalist scouser, uh, you go again and you get that opportunity to compete. Yeah. And a club like Sheffield United, it just, it, oh, it winds me up that they're a game behind. Where, if, what, if they get a point for that game, they're, they're, they're up, they're in or something? It's, and I don't know how, how best to balance it. And I think if the coefficients are based on the last five years average, and you're talking three years ago, yeah. like, there's clubs you've completely transformed there. So yeah. surely it should be more recent. Or it should, it should be recent. But at the same time, for me, if you was to ask me what would I do, I would void it. I'd void it across the board. I'd void it in every single country. I know it's a shame for Sheffield United. It's a shame for United. It's a shame for Liverpool. It's not a shame for United. They've They've had enough fucking... Handy yeah, helps exactly. But, <laughs> but here's my my thing is it's like unless you can get and I'm saying soon because if it becomes too long, players are older now, players have been out. You need a preseason just to finish these last eight games. It doesn't make sense. So unless soon we can get um, players out and we can get crowds out, then I f- I just think we should cut it. We should cut it and we should because the way I look at it is 2019 20 um, 2020 th- this season is this snapshot where we see players in this snapshot of time, all right? And so I think this window is closing. And I think it's okay to say 2019-2020 was disrupted by corona. It's been done. And then we start again with how things ended at 2018-2019. I think that's the fairest way to do it. And obviously, there's going to be casualties. And obviously, Sheffield United, all of these kind of stories like Sheffield United and Liverpool, it's bad to, like, kind of, you know, attach them to a season that's been cancelled. However... They've got the challenge again to prove that they can do that again. Yeah, I think I think where the where the concern comes from for clubs like that is, and I think Sheffield United are pretty well run to be fair. Um, uh, and it's more just a bonus for their amazing story that they get the windfall of a Champions League. But I think looking at some of the finances that have come out across football, um, if it was any other industry, it would be running to the ground. Like some of the debt that clubs are running up. Listen, we're not exempt. What was it last financial year? We at a hundred and million pound loss, a uh, hundred one million pound loss, like okay. the the way it worked. And so I think the the real concern with the voiding, and I I'm quite pro voiding if I'm honest. Like I think just on a more logical level where you take everything out of it, the season happened in a year where a worldwide pandemic happened. Exactly. That's fine. Like you know what I mean? It, it happened. Um, do you get me? But I think it's at a point economically where. 
Firstly, it's not going to happen because Liverpool need their league, um, according to just everyone. Um, <laughs> but but also like yeah, clubs going down like um, a, a club like Bournemouth, their future changes. But even further down than that, like Championship to League One, um, League One teams who've had like a breakout season uh, that that might not get the Premier. Yeah, I don't know, man. And I think. But what? I think it is interesting that when you compare it to, to the Bundesliga and the corporate interests as well, because then you have all this TV rights that have already been paid for. Premier League will have to pay back some of those. But then you have a comparison of non-league in this country, done, voided. Um, and then you have the Bundesliga starting back May 9th. Um, I think the head, of, the chief health officer of the UK said social distancing has to happen till September. So I'm obviously I'm shitting myself as a football coach by profession. So let's not get into that. But let's say social distancing happens by September. I mean, it's not distancing on a pitch. So, uh, boy, I don't know. I'll be very interested to see how the Bundesliga experiment goes. And I think that might be what the Premier League are waiting for as well. Even though Germany have managed everything about the crisis better, I think they might be sitting tight to just see if that goes off for the first week without a hitch. Yeah. And they still need to get the government's approval because they're going to have to do rigorous testing for all of the players. And they've got like a procedure where up to 300 people can be at a match and that's rigorous testing and all that type of stuff. And that's taken away from testing of the population and all that type of stuff. So it's the, the politicians, the guy, like, it's not necessarily going ahead in, in Germany. Um, they've, they've set out how they'd like, to, like it to go ahead. The mm. government have to give the thumbs up. But... Um, in this country, like you kind of mentioned, we're way behind Germany because we started late. So UEFA's pointed out already, listen, you have to start by June the latest and you have to finish by August. Otherwise, you have to find some other method. And they alluded to playoffs. They said, look, if you can't finish it within this time period, then in August you can have playoffs. It's just it's mad, though. Like The way we've dealt with it as well, though, is... We're we're still dealing with. Imagine we're still dealing with the first wave, and there's there's still the whole thing of dealing with a potential second wave. So how do you even justify starting things again? Yeah. When firstly you haven't dealt with the first wave in the way you was probably meant to, and then you're also trying to prevent the second wave coming. Like it doesn't even make that. Also, also as well as well as that, because they don't know. Like even when you saw the chief, uh, I can't remember his official title. Head the guy on all the adverts with the hair at the sides. Um, when he was talking, he said September maybe we'll reassess. We'll see. We don't really know how we're going to phase everything back in. They don't know. So it's on a on a on a logistical thing. There's all of those questions, but also someone mentioned this to me the other day, and I think there's a point to it it's a little bit why the premier league players make more than soldiers it's a little bit of a the sun argument but there's there's validity to it where let's say hypothetically we get to a point in august where we're going ahead and the transfer window is open mm. now the deaths are bad compared to this point of the year on average we we've lost seven and a half eight thousand people more than we would on an average year for this period. So it is impactful and a lot of people have very personal tra- tragedies attached to it. But also economically, I think there's a sort of a, a looming recession and government might have to bail people out for ages. 
and businesses are going to go. So it's, it's at a point where you're in a recession and you've lost your business and a massive slant of the country are out of work. Is it going to even for the optics and just for the mood and for the the morality of the league? Is it going to look good when Sancho joins Manchester United for 120 million on 300,000 pound a week when 10% of Manchester are unemployed as a result of the last three months? No, and and what and what can the Premier League do about that? Look, there's nothing they can do. Like when it comes down to it, if United, because United are desperate, United are so like. We said it before with the Alexis thing. They gave him a mad package because they're desperate because they've been off the top for such a long time. So they don't care. When it like mm. let, let's be fair, they don't care. And when it comes down to it, Dortmund will accept the money, and United have that bank. What, now you're you're right in terms of actually the situation. It is going to be desired. They are predicting the worst recession of our lifetime. Um, so yeah, shit might kick off. But at this point, United don't care. That's going to go through. United are going to try to push it down. United are going to come to Dortmund with exactly what you said and say, look, we're in a recession and all of this, let him go. But I think it was gl- it was good that Dortmund set his price before then. And Dortmund wants Sancho to stay. So I feel like he'll go there and um, I think United will pay a shitload. Um, yeah, I th- I they're going to use this situation as well, aren't they? They're going to use this situation to kind of... Um, so like, that's exactly yeah. what I was thinking. Like, yeah, get ahead I, of everybody else. I think I think also not just uh, uh, them. I think Saudis we know don't give a fuck. So Lucas are going to be like yes, but I think it's it's going to be a terrible bad spin move where it's like yeah man, I know your business and your recession are, are in the gutter, but maybe football and and can can be dreamy and distract you, except you've got to pay a grand for a season ticket and £70 a month for Sky Sports. But anyway, um, moving on, just just uh, on, on from that, it's, it's what I know a couple of us were really looking forward to doing this week. Um, and and someone who is probably sitting at yard thinking what their next few months is going to look like is uh, Hakim Ziyech. Uh, I don't know if it's been confirmed, but there was a lot of leaks recently that the Eredivisie is, is going to be annulled and it's going to be voided, um, or at the very least stopped. So there's a lot of things basically saying he's effectively uh, a Chelsea player and not going to play for Ajax again. Um, so, I mean, he, he must be wondering what his next few months are going to look like as well with the situation. So hopefully that resolves for him on a personal note. But he is signed, uh, he is sealed and he is a Chelsea player whenever things do alleviate and, and become back to as normal as they can be. Um, Jermaine, I know I know you and me have spent a lot of the last few days pouring over some Zayek footage and I know you're... Um, at some point, I will decide whether I want to call him Ziek or Zayek as well. But, you know, uh, until I find out which one's right, I'll just switch it up. But I know you're you're as excited as me to get get some takes off on, on Hakim. So, listen, we can structure this at some point, but you're excited. So, let's go. What, what are we looking forward to here? Bro, I was, so I watched um, the main the, the two games that I watched that, that kind of were interesting to me was I watched him against Valencia. When, when Ajax actually lost, so that was the game that they needed to win to um, win or draw to go through to the, the to go through the group stages. And it was interesting to watch the game because I just wanted to see what his reaction would be to to a team that like Valencia were pretty much playing on the counter. They were they were defending well, and Ajax had to break them down. They had shitloads of the ball, all the possession, 
and I just wanted to see what Zayac, um what, what he would do in, in in that in in that position. And he started out on the right, but what was interesting is that he literally moves everywhere. He goes everywhere on the pitch. Mm. He was left. He was right. He was in the ten. He was even dropping deep at, at times in midfield. Yeah. But but his ability to like like he sees he sees a pass and he executes it very well like a lot of the time but he he has got that crossing oh, I don't know man like, <laughs> I see across the ball a lot as well though like, you know what I, think, no, I thought know, of Dan when I saw it as well I'm gonna I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna come with some analysis and I'm gonna come with some takes that will make me look very very foolish or very very wise right in terms of quality and difficulty to defend against maybe not in terms of uh, volume consistency this that and the other but in terms of peak quality and difficulty to defend against Hakim Zayek will enter the Premier League as the second best deliverer of the ball behind Kevin De Bruyne in the league facts facts it is unstoppable some of the things he can do he's got a link with um, Quincy Promise in, in particular where he just cuts in on the right, finds a left wing runner at far post, and they then there was a Tagliafado goal as well at some point in their Champions League run. He puts the ball in in a way at times where you can't miss because all you need to do is get contact on it. It's, yeah. it's, it's quality. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly touch on your point about position because I just was going through the Chessier account earlier before we came on, and there's this massive debate about. Listen, fans piss me off in it, but there's this massive debate about his position at the moment and this, that and the other, right? Hakim Ziyech has been a winger for the vast majority of his career. As with most wingers and attacking players in the year 2020, because it's not 1993, they can play in a multitude of roles. They can come inside, they can go outside, they can drop deep, they can run behind. What has changed a lot this year having looked at both last year and this year, is he's, he's filling the 10 a lot more um, because of Ajax's personnel, I think, more than anything else, if I'm completely honest. If you looked at their their firm first-choice lineup last year, it was Ziyech right, um, Neres often left, um, Tardic dropping in as a nine, and then the midfield was made up with Van der Beek as their 10. They lost uh, De Jong. And they lost Shona, who were there, there. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Two, their double pivot, both in the summer. So that was a real rejig in the midfield. And, and you had a few new signings and younger players coming through. And Van der Beek dropped, dropped, dropped back a little bit. And uh, and that's really freed up Zayek. Also, in terms of their squad, they have Promise. They have Babel. They have Tardic. They have Neres. Um, and they've got another lad who can play wide really, really effectively as well. Um so I think I think it's a real benefit that he is versatile and he can go on the left as well. I think it's a real benefit that he is versatile, but the whole debate about he's a 10, no, he's a winger, no, he's a this, is just a waste of time. I think part of the reason I'm so excited about this signing, and I said this from the first day 
Number one, the value. It is a steal. It is a steal. He's, I think he's turned 27 like last week, right? And he plays like a young player. And I'm going to get onto that a little bit more as well. It's a steal in the current market, right? But also it adds so many options, right? You've got a player who can deliver from the left, a player who can shoot from the right, a player who can really spark a transition from the middle with a long raking pass. And just be happy that he can play both. Um, be happy that he can play both. I think a point you made, uh, Jermaine, privately, um, which I'm going I'm to let you, you sort of go off a bit, a little bit, because I was interested in this as well, is some fans might have a bit of shock to their system if they're expecting him to do a lot of defensive work in the middle, and those ones screaming for 10 might be like, oh, no, 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 put him wide, put him wide, put him wide. Yeah, no, because I was watching... Um... So away from away from that Valencia game, I was watching him against Lille, and and he was actually playing in the middle. So he was playing, I think he was playing in a three, and he was playing in um, midfield. Um, he was he was obviously the, the 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 midfielder that was more advanced, but Lille have a lot of PMP in their team, innit? with Samare and um, had a couple other guys in there that were proper pressing Ajax whenever they got the ball and trying to bully them a bit, and the game seemed to kind of bypass Ziyech for like a long while. <laughs> when I'm telling you, like I was watching the game for at least like, I think for about 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes even. And I'd seen like maybe a couple of times Ziyech might have done like something, a little something here and there, but he wasn't really in the game. Now, if, if people are expecting him to come into the Premier League and play in that deeper role, I think a lot of people would definitely be very surprised at how ineffective he might be. Well, I think I think as well, people really overlook how different things are depending on where you are on the pitch, right? People underestimate Mason Mount's work because I don't think they realise how fucking hard it is to defend the middle of the pitch, right? Defending on the wing is you got your man, you got the overlap you got to watch for, tuck in when it's on the other side. That's three decisions, right? Defending in the middle of the pitch, whether you're ball-orientated, man-orientated, zone-orientated, you've got a hundred things moving at a time. And it's it's a lot more complicated than, than people think. What I've seen about Ziyech defensively is I think he's, he's very much got a Pedro press. That's what I'm going to call it. In that he doesn't shy from the work. He doesn't shy from the work. It's a qu- really good quality of his. How effective he is with the work is just nowhere near as good, but he does get back and he does he does put good pressure on. I think he's better defending from the front, but he gets so quite easily. He's very much a forward player. Um, this comes into I'll, I'll say it now because it is semi relevant, and this is one thing before we get into any stats or any sort of goals or techniques or anything. What I've loved about watching him, and I know this is going to sound a little bit abstract and whatever, is he plays like a child, right? And I know that sounds random but he plays almost like a youth player who's just broken into the team but with quality he runs for every ball to the point where he has to get hooked before 90 a lot to be fair he runs for every ball he wants to do something special on the ball every time right he's deep um, don't get me wrong he he has got less wasteful this season I think he's got more patient in his play and he switches the ball very well but he just wants to make things happen right his shot volume is high he's he's scoring at sort of a one in three clip 
Um, so sort of William Bernardo Silva level in in the Eredivisie that drops a little bit in the Champions League, but it does for most players. He does his shot volume is high, but when you've got those technical qualities, I haven't seen one Ajax player have a go at him for it. Right, so he wants to make things happen all the time. He wants to try things. He wants to look for the sexy pass that's unexpected. He wants to try difficult free kicks. The downside of that is I've lost count of the times where I've seen him mentally miss a chance and obviously still be thinking about that chance five, six minutes later. Like he's such a all or nothing player in terms of his work rate, in terms of his everything into the game, in terms of his decisions. That if he's having an off day, it really looks like an off day. But speaking of that sort of youthful attitude, I'm going to go with my second takey take take. He is going to be the most exciting player at Chelsea since Hazard joined. Facts. In terms of real legitimate flair. Secondly, he is going to be the only real flair magic player at Chelsea, which I don't think we've had enough over the years. We have good dribblers, good runners, good this, good that. But I don't think we have anyone who can make something out of nothing quite like Ziyech in terms of their delivery and their finishing and just finding passes. Um, and I'm, I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing. I think there's there's weaknesses and stuff like that. And people might get a bit annoyed because he does take some stupid shots. Don't get me wrong. But I think his pros so far outweigh his cons um, that it's just it's just ridiculous. He's He's been the... The leading assist provider in the Eredivisie for four or five years in a row. His set-piece delivery is pretty consistent. Um, over the last two years in the league, he's working at over one goal contribution per game. I think he's 1.8, 1.6, 1. 1.08, 1.06, sorry. Um, Champions League, that drops a bit, but it's still 0.7 a game, which is right up there with Salah, Mane, and above Pedro, William, Silva, Son, like... There's, the numbers are good. The numbers that matter are good of what you want out of a forward player. Um, and and yeah, and I'm 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 buzzing. I'm buzzing. Um, Dan, is there anything you've seen that you think ZX going to provide, whether it be from the right, whether it be uh, just to the squad in general, um, that you you feel is really missing, or you got any reservations about where he might fit and whether he's going to suit the Premier League? Um. I'm not an expert on Ziyech by any stretch. Um, every single time I've seen him, I've, I think he's been good. Uh, one thing is, not not recently, but I remember I like to hear what their managers say about them and not just their last manager, but before. But talking about position, um, I can't remember which manager it was. I think it was his first Ajax manager. Um, I, I remember... Would that, would, that, would that have been Bosch, Peter Bosch? Yeah, I think, I think it was Bosch. I remember him saying, I tried to put him on the right, but then he was just everywhere. I tried to put him in the middle, he was everywhere. And so when Jermaine says, look, he pops up everywhere, regardless of position, literally, that's exactly how the manager was describing him. So when you're talking about, oh, I went in right, I went in 10, like you said, it probably doesn't matter. He probably, like, apparently, you need to let him be free to be effective. Now, Jermaine talked about that one game against Lille where he was ineffective. One thing I will say as a caveat to that is that's one game. Um, so it's not necessarily the story of him in the middle. But yeah, from all from what I've heard, you have to let him just be free. You've got to let him pop up on the left or on the right. And structurally, maybe that's why Lampard's thinking, let me put him in number 10. And because you, you can handle a free player 
um, if you put him in that position. But yeah, I agree with what you're saying in terms of he looks like he's magical. Obviously, they call him. They don't. They call him the magician at Ajax. Like so. Like I think. I think they might do. Yeah. 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 So we we don't we don't really have that player. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot to be excited with with Ziyech. I just think with the options we've got, especially if we're getting another attacker, I just I want Ziyech to be a mainstay, and I want I, I want a mainstay attack. I think Ziyech has got enough about him in terms of the magic. I just think we need a goal scorer. The only thing that kind of pains me with that is if we need a goal scorer and supporting attacker, because I, I don't think at this point, looking at the stats, I know you talked about goal contributions, but I just like at goals because I think that's what we're lacking. Um, and my thing with Ziyech is the season before last, he was very high scoring. He scored 16 goals. Now we have to kind of, as a caveat, remember that's Holland. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. But, we'll go 70%, 60% or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so, but if Ziyech can be that goal scorer, we're fine. We're fine, the supporting attacker, because Tammy does need help. You know what? I will, I will point out something on that. I think, I think 16 was his league tally last season. This season that's been interrupted, I think it was it was about six. It dropped. Yeah, exactly. But what I will say is if you look at positions played over the last two years, that 16 came predominantly from the right. And although he does like to cut in and, and robbing it off, and uh, very Mares-like, actually. I don't know what's in the water on the border of Algeria and Morocco that makes everyone want to cut in and bang it, but it's happening in Labrador Grove as well. But um, he does like to come in, but he's he looks for those runs in behind. I guarantee you his first game, one of the first things you will see is the ball on the other side and him screaming for a switch. A switch, by the way, that no one can actually pull off. Again, very, very childlike, but it's great to see. But he does want to get in behind. But um, those those uh, those smaller numbers... Basically, those those smaller numbers, um, I think, very much have come from a change of role for him. I think he's moved deeper. I think he's taken a different responsibility um, just from looking at the games. I think he gets more involved in other aspects. Um, I think he's less prolific scoring-wise at the 10, but he, his assist numbers keep up. But in, in terms of goals in the big moments, like, mate, the, over the last two years in Champions League, he's banged at the Bernabeu. Um, He's he's banged two against uh, against Leo at home, I think it was. He he was he was um got one against Spurs last year, I think as well. Yeah, big uh, goal. I love that uh, goal as well. Yeah, man. Like he's and and he yeah and he and then he has games like against Juve last year where he just shoots and it's awful. Um, what what I was trying to do when I was watching him as well was was trying to. Um, picture like the players that he might be playing with obviously 100%. And, that's, that's and I was trying to think about with the mainstay Dan's absolutely right because you can see yeah. he has this link to the players through. yeah exactly yeah. like players like I feel definitely someone like a Reese James will love the way that um, Ziyech will probably give him that right wing to kind of do his thing at times like get into like just work that right flank so he can come in and do whatever he needs to do you'll have that you see how many times he does the little cut in and then slips in and there is or a yeah slips you through um, yeah exactly so i feel like straight away with james i feel like straight away that that will be a good link i think loftus cheek even mason mount in terms of some of their late runs sometimes he gets right he gets down he gets down the byline and he does um cut it back quite quite a bit as well like when he beats his man and that, and he and he li- and he literally tries to find you. It's not like no wayward cut back. Do you know what I mean? Like 
the thing I like about Ziyech is that most of the time he is definitely trying to find a player. Like he's not just trying to bang it in there and hoping that it falls to somebody. So I think. No, definitely. Yeah. I think I think um, as well. Opposite wing, you're absolutely right, bro. Like promise, he was serving up Tardic, he was serving up Tagliafico, he was surging up. Um, if we can get that instinct into Hudson Odoi, into into Pulisic, they are projects. But if they can just get that little that little Werner timing in there, I think, oh, mate, I think he could really be a cog um, to support him, a lot of players. Him losing, him losing um, Frankie as well would be obviously a big blow to him as well in terms of like the amount that they, they held the ball and mm-hmm. how well they held it last last year. So I think Chelsea, we do hold the ball quite quite well and I think we'll get better at it as well with, with some of the players coming back as well. So I think for him, it's, it's I don't know, it's looking good. I'm excited about it, to be fair. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Like Dan said, if he can get the goals, then yeah, he might even be... You know he'll be up there for for some kind of award for the season. I reckon if he can get goals for Chelsea, yeah, we're, we're laughing. And and the only other thing I will say is because he's a creative player, and I feel like for some reason Chelsea don't like so people that take take chances because not everything's gonna come off, and it can be a numbers thing. When you look at Trent, when you look at the Bruyne, the amount of times they cross it and it doesn't go in, I mean it doesn't ha- it doesn't make any impact. Yeah, like he might shoot a lot, um, but there's certain players you have to allow that for. And like you said, um, Yas, earlier, no one's complaining when he's shooting. So I just, I hope the the Stamford Bridge crowd especially don't get on him if he does take loads of long shots. Or, if, you know, do you know what I mean? That's my only reservation. Well, I think, I think one of the, one of the times I knew to stop speaking to someone about football was when they, they used the pass completion percentage for a winger once. And I was just like, that's not a good sign. Man. That's, that's not a good sign at all. Um, but no, I think I think um, I think he's going to be a fantastic signing. I've really enjoyed watching him. I do implore anyone listening, if you are able to get sort of the BT highlights, just in this in this time of less football and um, from the last two seasons of the Champions League, especially um, the Real Madrid uh, game and the Tottenham Tottenham game. To be fair, even, even though that ending didn't work out for Ajax, Ziyech was really really strong in that game. Um, yeah, really implore it. And some of the some of the stuff he was doing in the group stages this year. Um, what was the game, Jermaine, where it's come down to him? He's flicked it in between three players with the outside of the boot on the spin, bounced it through them, followed it through, and then rattled it against the bar. Was that Leela Way? Jermaine, no, no. Uh, Jermaine's on mute. But I, we'll take your word for it anyway, man. <laughs> go, go watch yeah, it. Nah, find the I highlights. think that was at home. Okay, find the highlights. But yeah, and also what I'm lacking is I always used to love seeing who'd get African player of the year out of Drogba and Etu. And now I think we've got our own little race with Mares and Salah as well. So I'll, I'll get childish around those awards and I like to beat other teams in any way we can. <laughs> um, but yeah, listen, not too, too long left of, of the pod. So we're just going to move into some listeners' questions just to finish off. Um, and some of them, to be fair, are... Are, are relatively well linked to um, to some of the stuff we talked about already. One of them I, I quite like actually. Um, uh, El Mago R Nine has got in touch and is asked one is kind of in offer of in off, oh, honor of Ziyech really. Um, over the past ten years, we've seen a major shift from natural wingers to inverted wingers. Which do you prefer and why? Um, so I think 
I won't ask. I won't answer which I prefer. I'll let you two both do that. But I think, I think it is a really interesting point he's raised, and it, it's why there was such a cry for Hudson Odoi to be coming in from the left and Ziyech and Hazard and stuff like that. I think the more tactical everything's got, the more people have valued and prioritised the centre, and the more closed off those spaces have have got. So just your most natural players are going to be those those ones who are the most skilled to, to drive in and, and head towards goal. Um, on the other side, there is there is a real benefit of having people like a Trent um, and, and and players like that who can just deliver on a, on a 10p pence. So, boys, which do you prefer out of an inverted winger uh, or a chalk on the boots down the line type? I like um, I like goal scorers um, up top. And so if someone's consistently going out wide to cross in, then for me, for me, that could be a fullback, a wingback type job. I want my attackers to be able to, to have a high goal threat. I don't necessarily think you have to cut in for that. Um, I think like a left-footed player can score loads of good goals from the left. I remember Duff on the left would score these goals that would go to the near post all the time. Um, but yeah, I want my I want my wingers to be goal scorers too. And not necessarily, that doesn't mean that they can, can't go down and cross. One thing I like with Ziyech and with Hudson is that I, I think when you see Hudson on the left or right, he's not necessarily always cutting in on the left. Sometimes he's going down and crossing. So I like being able to mix it up. Yeah, I think... Uh... It's, it's, a, it's and again, it's another difficult question because it's like with the style of football these days, I think a lot of coaches are trying to get their their players involved in a lot of the like the the quick passing and moving and stuff like that. So I think you know when you talk about out and out wingers in terms of you know like you said chalk on boots and that and getting down to the byline and crossing it in, a lot of the time they are very very individual in terms of they they don't really have to be involved with a lot of the play. A lot of the time, it's just like a, a basic one-two, or it's like a, just an individual individual run straight down the line to, for them to beat their man and cross it. So it's like I think it's got a lot to do with the style of football, to be honest with you. So I think naturally a lot of people are going to prefer like the inverted wingers these days. But um, I'm trying to think of like a good example of like an out-and-out winger now in the prem. Probably be someone like maybe a Dama Traore or something. Someone like that just tries to beat your man. Like I, I don't mind a player like that. To be honest with you, like you know what? if I, I could to, have one, if I, I could have one like him. I used to clown a double Troy all the time, bro. Yeah, I thought he was whack when he was at Borough. I was like, what is this guy? I wanted him at Borough, bro, to come well, play wing back. I clown him because of his end product. You know what? This guy is a problem now. I don't know what Nuno uh, has done, but he is leading almost every metric that matters for a winger. Um. And I, and I think almost the game's gone so in the direction that you've just mentioned where everyone has to be involved in every phase of the play and combine and this and yeah. overloads and condense the middle that he's probably got... It, everything goes in cycles. You would have never seen two up top in 2010 because we were all set on this three midfield, but now you will. Um, and then you wouldn't have seen three at the back outside of Italy until recently, but now you will. And I just I feel like Adama's taken advantage of people almost forgetting how to defend such a good conventional bomb down the line, get it in. Exactly. And I feel like he's he's literally just using his his mate, literally. He's using his strengths in it and he's using his strength to just 
bulldoze people. Like he's using his pace to get past them, but he's also a tricky guy as well. Like he's not just any you know any guy just trying to beat him with like just bulldoze his way through. He has got skill and he's got you know obviously he's improved his decision making, but he's just getting down that line, beating his man, and he's been one of the most effective players this season. So you look at him, and I also look at someone. Yeah, it's not a big name, but when they won the title. Mark Albrighton was doing the exact same thing mm. and he was pamming a lot of guys doing it, brother. And, and you wouldn't think, you know, you wouldn't think anything of it at the time. But now that you look, but when, if you look back at their season, when they won the league, you'll see that he was a very, very big part of them winning the league as well in terms of the work that he done down that line just as an out-and-out winger. So, it's 10 years ago now, but if you look at the, that Valencia-Rooney season, if the relationship is there and it works... It's, it's hard to stop. And I get that people are putting more bodies in the box and this, that and the other, but if you've got the right delivery and you've got the right player, um, boy, it's as valid as anything. Dwight McNeil is a player that... Dwight McNeil is a player, I think, that you can kind of put him in a traditional winger because I think yeah. that a lot of the time, yeah, he goes down the side and crosses it in. And I think, actually, before now... Especially with Salah and Mane coming across, um, I think you'll see a lot of teams trying to have a, a, a left foot or a right and a right foot and a left. But actually, I think for a long time, people went for the hybrid of on one side, you've got someone that's cutting in and scoring. And the other side, you've got your more traditional winger to kind of whip it in. But yeah, as locked for me, like, I don't care. As long as as long as you've got two goal scorers um, in your attack, then I'm cool. Cool. Good stuff. Um, next one up. Um... Well, listen, some of these acts are hard to read, in it? But my man's got Ruben in his avi, so he, he's blessed. But uh, what do you lot think about fans seeming to only want players who are under 23? And isn't there a need for more serious Champions League proven players in terms of squad composition? Um, I, I, I hate the whole proven thing because, like, without going into a monologue about it, you, you can, you can, with bought proven players and they've flopped. Now, I, I get the move because I was championing this move like 10 years ago and I was saying, why do we keep on spending our most the, the most money on players that are 27 when actually the risk of what happens if they flop is so much higher than when you buy someone for that money? Listen, you know what? It's not even higher. It's, it's, almost, it's almost definite. I've always said, if someone has played to the level for a year, maybe two, where they are worth a hundred million or whatever the world record is at the time, they're not going to improve. <laughs> you either buy exactly what you've just got, or more likely a gradual decline from that. When Higuain is scoring the record Serie A goal tally of all time, and Juventus are paying eighty million pound, they're paying for what he's done last year to get him next year. Yeah, and and. It comes to an age where that ceiling is at a thing. And I don't really like the alternative argument where because you're good at 22, you're going to be better. You're going to be four years better at 26. It's not FIFA where the green arrow just keeps going like peak at different ages and this, that and the other. But when, when, uh, when the development issues are physical and are mental and are experience based, I think it is a given that you improve based off those experiences. But yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. Like I don't I don't think he's a uh, this 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 question's been framed like it's only that they're under 23. I don't think it's the age because for me I don't think Ziyech has necessarily peaked because I think this is his big move. 
exactly. So he's 20, he'll be 27 when he's in blue. And yeah. I think he still could head up a few levels because there's holes in his game. But I think, yeah, if you are signing someone who is already the best, the only place they have to go is down almost. Yeah. And it's just like, when it comes down to it, it's like, it's harder for adults to learn a new language than it is for kind of babies, right? Coming up, like they, they just do it by osmosis. And I feel like when you're 28, 20, like 27, 28, and you're at a place where everything's working out and then you move and uh, to a new club, new surroundings, new manager, new system, etc. And you have to replicate exactly what happened in that last club at this new club. And you don't have that much time to bid in because you're already 27, 28. It's such a high risk move as opposed to you buy a 22 year old. It's loads of money. But look, if it doesn't work out in the next two, first two years, it's still got, uh, he's only 24, two years later. So like, it's just that I think a lot of people are now understanding actually when you want to mitigate your risk about spending big money, it's better to do that with a younger player. But I do feel like it's got it's got to a point where people look at people that are 26 now and they're like, ugh. And it's, it's like, you're shit now, you're done and it's ridiculous. Yeah, I think the resale value is the only thing that really stays valid at that point. And even then in the first year, if you know they're no good, you can do a Morata and hopefully get your money back. Um, if their reputation belies it, but yeah, man, 100. percent I think I think economically it's valid, but I agree it's that handstand again where it's gone too 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 far now. And yeah, sign him at 19, you'll get him for 10 years, and it's like, well, maybe sign him for 19, he might miss his mum, and yeah, don't. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So yeah, uh, where do you stand on this, Jermaine? Because I know you're you're more behind the Coutinho signing than most, so I'm interested in whether you're more inclined now because we have enough young players to want that sort of European pedigree or are you still an Emanalo disciple in terms of buy low, sell high? No, like, I, to be honest, I don't, I don't really watch age like that too much. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I just go off like how the team's kind of being moulded at the time. So like, if we have got like shitloads of young players, which we do, and we have like, you know, 50, 17 year olds coming through and, all of that, like, I don't really think it's, I don't, I don't know, like, even with Sancho, like, he's 19, but the quality is there, so you buy him, it's as simple yeah. as that, really, do you know what I mean, we need him, he's doing what he's, you know, he's, he's doing, he's producing the best form as a winger more than any other player out there at the moment, bar Mbappe, so, you know, like, I don't really watch age and, and, and stuff like that, but with the, with the whole, uh, like, what did he say, that Champions League that, that have Champions League experience. Champions League, Champions League uh, proven. Yeah. Champions League proven. Like, what the, I don't even know what that means because, Bappe like... Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Good argument, though, because, OK, I think, I mean, we've discussed this. We individually, uh, we're not having it. We think it was crap, but he was part of a Monaco team that almost were the Ajax team of last season. They were a the big shock for everyone. And, and look, people almost took that team because of the Champions League tag, right? It was like, we don't care who they are. Thomas Lamar, uh, Sidibe, uh, Fabinho, Bakayoko, Mbappe, yeah, all, they must have yeah. because they're part of this Champions League running team. Sidibe is an Everton, um, like, didn't pull up any trees and it took him a while to get sold. He wasn't great. Thomas Lamar flopped at Atletico. Bakayoko is a disgrace. Um, yeah, like, it's... it's it's, even yeah. but, but but even Mendy as well. Like you look at Mendy, and I know Mendy's had injuries, but 
Mendy, there's there's big question marks about right, part, Mendy's part a joke of man his as game. Well. He's a joke man. Yeah. Right. It worked so, for that team at that time. And I think people underestimate the human element of transfers as well in terms of they might be a Champions League proven player. Listen, I'm going to say this and none of the Twitter dons will know it because of age, but Juan Sebastian Veron was a Champions League proven player and he yeah. came to Manchester United and Chelsea <clears> for massive <throat> money and got dropped for Frank Lampard and whoever was coming through at Manchester United. Like, it's... There's a really fine balance. And the question is, what do we think on the clamour for it? I think it has, like Dan said, probably gone a bit too far. Um, and you can get really good deals. And 26 is young, especially to these days. Um, but, yeah, I think there you don't want to buy anything at the peak of its value, right? As soon as you... It's that old stock adage, if you don't buy high because it's, it's unlikely to go any further. It's like if you are in win now mode and you have a two year window, this is where the NBA get it so right is obviously is trading and everything. But NBA teams will be like, OK, we're the L.A. Lakers. We have LeBron James. We probably have two, three years to win a title because he's getting on. So they had three, four young pieces who might have been good in four or five years. They might not. When the unexpected comes calling, bounce forward with Comcast Business. Bounce forward fast with internet speeds up to a gig. And bounce forward with security solutions that help keep your connected devices protected. Help your business bounce forward with this amazing offer. For a limited time, ask how to get a $500 prepaid card. Call 1-800-501-6000 or go online today to learn more. Comcast Business. Prepaid card offer ends 12-13-20. Restrictions apply. New Comcast business customers only. Call for restrictions and complete details. Get rid of him. Get Anthony Davis in because he will give us the best chance of winning today, now, and tomorrow. And then next week, we'll have another chat. Whereas if you're mm. if you're in our situation, as our club, players like Ziyech can, can move the needle. But are we going to challenge next year? Probably not. So to buy a 29-year-old, who will get us two good years uh, if they're not a stopgap. Whereas Ziyech give us three, four, when we are ready, when the James, Tammy, Cho, Mount, Tomori team are coming into yeah. their own. So I think, it's, I, think it's, I think it's people underestimate how much it is to do with the team and the timing as well. And I think we are in a position to go for younger as opposed to completely young, but younger. What I was going to say is that I know that you agree with me that Mertens will be a great signing. And I feel like, I think, Mer- I think Merton's, yeah, I think he's the exception because we're yeah. not there yet and there's not a huge investment. Exactly. I think he'd be good for two years, yeah. I think yeah, exactly. he'd be a good stopgap, man. Just And crucially, he won't be a massive investment at 32. At all and, and again, like like I said, the human element. If you read about Merton's, um, he's apparently a really good teammate. Really good teammate. He's had good experiences in the game. Um so that's the sort of person you want to bring in as well, especially as, look, if he's come into Chelsea at 33, he's going to know what the game is, bro. Like, he will just want to try a new league out and enjoy his life. He's never been a decorated player in his career. He's not trophy hungry. He might get an FA Cup league with us, maybe. But he will be coming for the right reasons to Chelsea, I think. And he's um, apparently a really good locker room guy, a changing room guy. So that has to come, in, that has to come into it as well. Yeah, and he won't drop if he's not playing every single week. Like, he's had his career. So, like, there are benefits of it, but it's just, like, 
again, for me, I'm going to go high. In, in terms of transfer fee, I'm going to go high on younger players and I'm going to go low on older players. That's just me. And then financially as well, it's the whole amortisation. It's, it's again, it's understanding of how these things work. Is If I sign a Bama Yang for 30 million now, he's 30, 31. I'm paying three three year deal. I'm paying 10 million a year. If I sign a Bama Yang for 30 million at 22, five year deal, I'm what pay? Oh, my maths is shocking, but I'm paying less. <laughs> I'm paying less. <laughs> but, right? You spread the investment out, and so that's what these longer contacts. And then if you have a five year deal, you want them to be able to contribute for the five years, right? You don't want to sign. Um, Mertens to a five-year deal because you'll have to pay for his Zimmer frame at the end of it. Like it's, it's yeah, you need to. So I think I think going back to the question, just to round it off, I think you do have the potential element, but away from that whole FIFA thing, you spread the cost. There's resale value. You can recoup your investment. A lot of it is to do with wanting to challenge long term and not just splurge everything on on a really small window. Um, but when the time is right, when there is an Aubameyang or there is a Ziyech and they can they can move the needle for you as a club, then yeah, I think people maybe go a bit extreme on the age these days. I, I want to get through another one because I think um, it would be a good one to finish on. Uh, there was two that overlapped, two that overlapped, and it was um, number one. <laughs> Dan's gonna love this. Mm. Is uh, why the agenda against Captain America. So I get that he disappears, but does he not deserve a full 18 months before he make a judgment? So that's that's the that's the first one, but it kind of blurs into the into the next one, which is who's got better. Deci- so that was from sorry, my bad. That was from um, Tiboho and then uh, Joe, who's on the podcast the other week, just just fired across. Who's got a better decision making skills and has a bigger impact on the team as a whole? Callum Hudson Adoy or Christian Pulisic? Now. I'm going to let you lot run off with this as the last question, but the one thing I do want to put out there is same way. The Pulisic thing has just gone so... Where it was once a valid opinion to think he was expensive for what he was and potentially lacked end product in terms of like numbers, but acknowledging he had good traits, great carrier of the ball, technically good, but potentially just the wrong set maybe a bit of a panic buy because the ban not really thinking long term with the whole Sancho thing everything like that it's got to the point now where he's just a useless player which for me has never ever really been in question he's a good wide player and I'll say it in August and I'll say it now I see him more as a really good tactical weapon as opposed to a centerpiece but but he's a he's a good player um and I think when people ask questions like Joe has about decision making, I could talk about this for a very, very long time, but everyone seems to have a very different idea of what decision making is. If I asked 10 people what a good decision is on the pitch, I'd get 10 different answers. Um, so I'm interested to see how you boys kind of see that. I think to merge them, we'll turn this into a little bit of a Hudson Adoy compared to Pulisic. Do they both have a role? Why do you think Hudson-Odoi is rated more? Is he better? Is it the academy thing? Do you think Pulisic gets a hard time considering that we only really got four months of him before injury and he had some decent performances? Um, and yeah, just to finish off just this week, oh, I'll let you go off with it. Oh, 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 Firstly, okay. Dan, be nice. That's the thing, like, you're even paying it in the way that... Because like, <laughs> I've, I've been watching the games again, Pulisic deserves credit. 
Pulisic, I think, is a really good weapon. Um, we always say it in terms of dribbling. At this point, I would say Pulisic is a better dribbler than Hudson-Odoi. Just because I think in terms of actually carrying the ball, I think Hudson-Odoi does that kind of stop and start thing where he just he's looking for space to do something, whether it's space to sneak in the pass, space to sneak in across, space to cut in, etc. But if I'm talking about someone that's just going to carry the ball from point A all the way to, into the box, that's Pulisic. I think at this point now, I don't know whether that's because of the injury, maybe um, as Hudson Adoy, like there's less pain in his leg and as he um, kind of gathers his confidence and shit like that. Maybe that, maybe that will change. But I think right now I'm putting Pulisic over Hudson Adoy in terms of dribbling. Now, in terms of decision making, and we talk about both, I think my issue with uh, Pulisic, and I don't even think it's an issue. Like both of these are young players. My issue with our squad is I think both of these players need to be playing week in week out. Um, because at this age, I think to develop, and I think both of them are top quality young wingers, I think the issue is is that both of these guys need to be playing week in, week out. Now, I'm in the Hudson camp for a number of reasons. Yes, part of the reasons is because he's from the academy, but also I think that with Pulisic at this point, and I think it might be getting better, who knows, but at this point, when he gets into the box um, and he kind of drags it wide a lot of the time, um, and I know that, to be fair, with hudson Doyle. Again, his finishing, it's tame at this point. But I think when it comes down to it, I think Hudson Odoi is a box of tricks when it comes to assisting. I think he's a creative machine. I think I, I, I like his crosses. Whereas with Pulisic, I think his kind of weapon in terms of assisting is putting the ball across the box and it's just kind of one-dimensional. I think both are good players. I'm way more in the Hudson Odoi camp because I, I can see, I can like, don't forget, I think he's like two years younger or a year younger, whatever. And I think with Pulisic, Pulisic has had three or f- like two seasons, three seasons already with like 15 well, get starts. Well, this, is, this is it. I think there's the other thing with age, right? And people really underestimate this as well. It's like, it's why we see Ruben as a long, as a young player. It's like, okay, Hudson Adoy, Hudson and Pulisic, both young and they're both good players. But Pulisic is, by this point, on his own merit, by the way, yeah. because yeah. of his talent. He's, he's a seasoned professional by this point. Right. He's been a Bundesliga player for, what, three years? He's played in Europe for three years. And hudson Adoy, partly due to the Achilles, um, partly due to age, um, partly due to, you know, having to sort of prove himself to Sari a little bit and not earning a spot until uh, December times, he's played a lot less football. And I think decisions come with experience. And again, it's, it's very subjective what decisions are. That could be a pod in itself. But I think, I think hudson Adoy does make some bad decisions. But you see in the quality of some of his chance creation that he is improving on those um, massively. I, I, he's really impressed me as a as a final pass player, put it that way, as a as a pass before the shot player, as a crossing player. Um, he's much you better guys, than I thought he was. You guys were saying earlier, Ziek does this thing, and I, I'm not sure exactly what you're saying, but if you're talking about that thing where he kind of cuts in and then kind of faints to shoot but kind of slips it in, Hudson does that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little, it's, it's almost like a L-shaped thing where they just do the cut, then do yeah. the pass. Yeah, and so I feel like like he's so underrated creatively. So and I, and I see. Well, don't forget, like, and and I'm guilty of this because I'd only seen him play on the left in the academy. But when he was put on the on the right first time um, by Sari to allow Hazard to play, yeah. I was like, oh, how's this gonna work out? But some people were fuming. And then he comes in, bangs two of the best quality crosses of the season, 
to the point where I'm almost now thinking I had him down as a as a goal scoring player because of what he did at the academy because he was a level above under 18 football he'd pick it up drive bang um but based on his premier league football I think he funnily enough going back to the earlier question I think he has the ability to drive inside but by all means but I think he could be a really really effective conventional winger on the right um and and more an assist provider than than anything else and like a uh, I don't see him as really a flair player. He's got ability and he's technical, but I, I see him as quite mechanical. And that's not a diss, it's just how I see it. I think he's a, a really threatening player. But I kind of see him as a get it, fake, drop a shoulder, drive, cross it, final product, bang. Whereas Pulisic, I think, does a lot more of the unseen, does a lot more of the, the difficult ball carries into congested areas and can link quite nicely, potentially through sort of his German sort of time or or just a natural sort of tendency to come inside. But um, I think they're, they're developing quite differently. Like you said, I think Pulisic doesn't have that delivery in his locker. Um, Pulisic has got into this season, small sample size. His XG has been fantastic. Like he's got into some really good positions, which I don't know how much he was doing at Dortmund, but that could be something in his game that is yet to develop. Um, but yeah, I think, again, just to, just in my two cents, like, I, I I've said comparison just for the sake of the question, but I think you've got two really good young wingers with different skill sets with some overlap. Um, but I do think Hudson Adoy is proving to be a more decisive player. Um, I think he's got a lot of developing to do, but I think deliveries, real key moments, key chances created, I think he's, he's yeah. really growing. Yeah. Apart from deliveries, like I know it hasn't always come off, but there's been games where like he hits the bar. Like it's not just deliveries. I can see he's a very threatening player in terms of goal wise too. Whereas with Pulisic, I know he had that hat trick and I know that he had that purple patch where he's scoring goals. But I like because this is not his first season playing regularly and he's had like seasons to do that before. I don't know how much his goals are going to come along. And Absolutely. But I think if you look at the Ziyech example where you've got him banging goals on the right, then he moves position into the middle due to sort of squad composition. I don't know. I can't remember exactly the Dortmund side, but I know Rios was there. So that could be one factor. I don't know. But I think his XG numbers are really good this year, apart from just that sort of outlier hat trick. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't know what his end game is really going to look like. And I don't really ever see Pulisic becoming the first name on a team sheet for Chelsea but I think he's a really good player and I, I think the agenda has been sort of dressed up a little bit um on on the pod just because that's how Twitter goes um but uh Jermaine, but yeah. hasn't, Jermaine hasn't chatted in Jermaine you gotta say your shit on it that's just <laughs> Jermaine, Jermaine hates Pulisic probably and he's just fuming nah, nah I don't I, I I actually like Pulisic and I think he's I think if I was gonna guess like where he'd, where he was gonna kind of end up as a player for Chelsea I think he'd I, I kind of like obviously I'm in the um, I'm in the Hudson camp as well in terms of I like already I'm seeing him starting on the left and and ZX starting on the right next season and thing about Hudson is I think he's got a little bit more in his locker like I know you guys already talked about the fact that he's got good deliveries he can play on the right but I think he's got the ability to move around the pitch as well the same way ZX does in terms of he can go left he can go right he can he can you know drop into that little hole as well and and do what he needs to do if 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 needs be. But with Pulisic, I feel like I feel like one of his big strengths is that he's a smart dribbler. I think he's a smart dribbler. Like he's good at 
he's good at catching like the defenders out, like in terms of you know spotting spotting their movements and knowing when he needs to move and and when he needs to dribble and like out of nowhere you'll just see him go past like two three players with ease like and his dribbling is is very very neat but I I like Dan said I don't see him becoming like a, a goal scorer though I see him becoming a, a very good creator I I that's that's my personal opinion I think he can create a lot with his dribbling kind of like what you see Kovacic do up until the final third and then he can't do no more. Like in terms of slot that little clever ball pass, um, cl- uh, clever pass through, or you know put someone through through on goal. I think Pulisic can, can become that player, but um, yeah, I, I, I just feel like with Cho, I think he's got just a little bit more than him in his locker in terms of he's a bit more aggressive as well in his play. I think he's stronger. Yeah, just everything aims at Cho probably outperforming him to be honest with you. And he hasn't he hasn't really had a, a full season yet. So yeah, I mean this is this is the thing. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of very strong opinions being made on very little evidence on this whole these two players in particular. Um, it's like you like like you not said about Pulisic with the seasons as well. The thing is, like you see a lot of people try and compare Rashford to, to players that have had like um, one season, and people forget that Rashford has played like flipping how many how many games has Rashford played, bruv? Like he's been like a third game man for three years. Yeah. I think. Do you, yeah, do you see what I'm saying? So that like when you see people like managers like Jose getting onto Rashford, it's not because like he hates him or dislikes him or anything like that, but it's because my my guy's had enough games to start showing improvement. So if you're not improving, I'm gonna get onto you. And with mm-hmm. Pulisic, with Pulisic, people that watch that that um that do watch football a lot and, and, and have watched him in the Bundesliga or whatever, they they've they've seen two seasons of him playing at the top level with a top club. Do you see what I'm saying? So, if he's going to improve, it should be, you know, it should be happening already. Yeah, so. and I mean, let's not also forget elephant in the room, sixty-seven million pounds. So, um, or was it fifty-seven? I can't remember yeah. exactly. Fifty-seven million pounds, and I'd say the same for Arsenal fans in terms of when Saka. I, I was crying, laughing at the start of the season when eighteen, nineteen-year-old Saka from the academy poached out a grassroots mm-hmm. football relatively late was doing the heavy loading and 72 million Pepe was over the pit like you've been invested in to be that guy okay team sport I understand that but with that will come differing levels of expectation and I think that's that's only fair really um people disagree with that they they don't see it as their money so it's like whatever I'm gonna just do it on on what they see but I I don't know man I feel like the club only has a, a finite amount of resources and and if you are going to dedicate the vast majority of those somewhere, that somewhere needs to be sort of held to the expectation relative to that investment. So um, I think that might be something that hopefully Pulisic can live up to in terms of of uh, investment eventually. But we'll have to see because it is still so early in the day for both of them. Um, boys, that's that's all we got time for. That's all we got time for this week. Uh, it's it's been a really good chat to be fair. Gone over a lot of stuff. Um, as we said at the start, Patreon is there. Um, like, listen, we're here every week. We're giving you the content every week. If you if you if you enjoy it, please do support it. Um, just support those that you you give your time to and give their time to you. So any any anything on that is really appreciative. Boys, thanks so much for your time, and I'll see you both next week. And no worries, bro. We don't have any more dead transfer rumors while the journalists are bored. Ha, ha, ha.
I need that shit, man. What else am I going to look over? But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Alright, man. Bless, bless, bless. Alright, cheers, fellas. I'm going to edit that shit. Um, I'm going to say, yeah, because it's a long one, so we need to narrow it, knuckle it down. There's a few things, like, when I um had lost my thing, that's like a minute or yeah. two. And at the start, we lost a little bit. But if you think there's any bits which don't really go nowhere in terms of chat, just cut them. Yeah, maybe, but also, people don't really care. Too. But yeah, yeah, I'll do that. There's more to working from home than emails. So you need Wi-Fi with reliable speed, the most in-home coverage, and built-in security. You need Xfinity XFi. That's simple, easy, awesome. Switch to Xfinity Internet and learn about our great offers. You'll get amazing value with speeds that deliver and reliable coverage you can count on. And with XFi Advanced Security, you can keep all the devices in your home connected and protected from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store to learn more today. Restrictions apply. Sports Social Podcast Network.